Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands. Today I am in Washington, D.C. at Tiki TNT, which also houses Thrasher's Rum, speaking to Todd Thrasher, the founder, owner, there, are there any other titles you give yourself? Distiller, bartender, chief babysitter. That's, <laughs> that's probably it. that's yeah. probably your number one job, I'm betting. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for having me down, Todd. Of course. Glad to have you. It's, uh, it's beautiful here. I don't think I've ever been in this exact in the, it's just called the wharf right the wharf yeah i don't think i've ever been to the wharf yeah so i grew up across that bridge the case bridge about four and a half miles so i did spend a lot of time here when i was a kid and it was maybe not the nicest place to come at that <laughs> point but uh it definitely has changed thanks to uh washington dc the mayor and monty hoffman really kind of changed the area down here and allowed me to do something like this down here yeah it's fun as as you're pulling into here uh, well, I mean, it was definitely several miles and a few turns on the road. It definitely doesn't look like a place you want to be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. then all of a sudden, like, you know, once you get to about the Kennedy Center, oh, that's everything it, yeah. starts to look uh, really nice. That big, nice white building yeah. over there. Yeah. <laughs> Changes everything. Yeah. That's the, I think that's the closest place I've ever been to down here is yeah. the Kennedy Center. Yeah. I mean, this actually, the fish market is the oldest, continuous, oldest continuously running open air market in the United States. Oh, wow. Yes. Always a fish market, or it's, did it include well, other it, things? Well, it started and... out as just a general market, but with fish. Okay. Um, and as the years have gone, it's just now a fish market. You know, so you can come here, you can get fresh fish, you can get cooked fish. Obviously, steamed crabs. We're here in DC, so it's a it's a big thing. But yeah, and um, when I was a kid, obviously we'd come down here. There were a few restaurants down here. There was uh, the fancy restaurant, which is called Hogate's, which like uh, every any kid in Northern Virginia. You know, right across would go there for for prom or uh, homecoming or things like that. Whenever you wanted to impress, yeah. Someone. Whenever you wanted to impress something, and then there was a Phillips Seafood, uh, and where our building is was actually just a parking lot. And then um, there was one more Italian restaurant. I never went there. We did go to Hogate's and and Phillips on occasion, but yeah, we actually have a uh, one dish on the menu here at Tiki TNT. It's a uh, Hogate's rum buns, and they were famous for doing rum buns. So, what? How long have you been open? We opened here December 5th, 2018. Is this the only, the first and only location you've had, or did you start somewhere else and then move? First, maybe not the only to come. Oh. Yeah. Wait, is that a done deal? Or not a done pursuing? deal. I'm, uh, uh, my, one of my business partners um, and I have been talking about moving, going, living part-time six months out of the year in, in Florida. Okay. So we, I'm currently actively looking for a space or two in the Tampa St. Pete area. I hear people like it down there. I hear the weather's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It maybe not in like July, August. <laughs> hey, but. I'm down, bro. I'm good. <laughs> I like the heat. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I always wondered why did all these people move to Florida when they got older. I know now <laughs> because I hate the cold. Yeah. I hate it. And the, and the older you get, the bones yeah. hurt more and yeah. more during the winter. And you know, one of the things here is, I mean, you can look out the window and we can see the amazing, beautiful Potomac river, but I would really like to see the, the Gulf of Mexico or something like that. I was at a beer festival with uh, several people from uh, Florida mm -hmm. over the weekend and uh, people from Florida party differently. 
They they party they, more. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, yeah. they're from the Miami area. Yeah, yeah so like, like, I'm not gonna. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna change my party, and I'm good. I did it a long time ago. Um, so when you opened, was it uh, a combo deal? Both places yeah. opened at the same time, yeah, or so, what, was there one before the other? Well, because of uh, permitting, the bar opened first. But um, when the whole deal came about, so I used to own five restaurants in Alexandria, Virginia. You know, as a crow flies. Um, about four and a half, five miles away. I had this bar called PX, which was one of the first speakeasy type bars. I think we opened it in 2005, I believe. Um, and then we actually, I ran it all the way up until 2019, 14 years. Uh, it was act- almost right about 15 years because our lease was a 15 year lease. Uh, and in 2015, uh, the gentleman that did this whole project they all came to me and said hey we'd love for you to open up a px down at the wharf and they showed me this space i'm like you know what i'm good it's really good for the ego i've made zero dollars off of it <laughs> and i want to do something different and um so they're like what do you want to do i'm like i, I want to open a rum distillery and like why don't you open that here i'm like well because the price of real estate down here is a lot more expensive than if i go to some warehouse district yeah. in frederick or you know uh you know pg county or something like that they're like what if we give you a great deal, and but you have to do a bar on top. I'm like, eh, I'm not really interested in the bar anymore. I'm kind of, you know, at that point, 46 years old, 47 years old. And I'm like, I'm tired of working late at night. They're like, well, let's talk about it. So they came back to me and, and showed me the deal, showed me what it was. I'm like, I guess I'm doing a distillery in a bar, huh? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so that's how it, the, the initial lease setup happened. Uh, but the way the whole idea started was I was sitting in a bar in Wellington, New Zealand in 2010, and it was a bar called the Motel Bar, and the only way to gain access to this bar was to bring a bottle of spirits from where you come from. So my wife and I were there. We were there on a, um, I went and entered a cocktail contest for a liquor brand called 42 Below, and it was called the World Cup of Cocktails. So it was a a five-day event, and it was in Queenstown and then in Wellington, New Zealand. And on day five, the contest was over. I won the whole deal. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Pretty awesome. But so we're sitting at this bar and the guy who runs the bar made gunpowder rum. And it's like a famous underground thing in Wellington that he had gunpowder rum. So you bring a bottle in of where you come from. That's the only way to get access. That seems to really limit your customer base. You should see the liquor display he had, man. It was amazing. Okay. Imagine, like, everybody from all over the world is bringing a bottle of spirit from where yeah. you come from. And so you get to know, I mean, his wall of spirits was insane. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that want to, like, really show off. So he probably also had some, some phenomenal stuff. stuff. Yeah. So we're sitting there, and um, I look across the bar, and there was a bottle of uh, a Pisco. Obviously made it, well, not obviously, but Pisco community made in Peru or Chile. But this one was called Machu Pisco, and it's from Peru. It's made by uh, two ladies, Melanie Asher and Lizzie Asher. They're from Washington, D.C. And let me restate that. They're from Peru. They grew up in Washington, D.C. They both are super-duper, unbelievably smart women. I think they went to Harvard Law and Harvard Business, respectively, so way smarter than I could ever think to be. Um, but they're, and I knew them. Their bottle is sitting right across to, from me. And I say to my wife, I'm like, wouldn't it be awesome to be 
sitting at home or sitting in a bar halfway across the world and you see something you created there, how fucking cool would that be? Yeah. So that's how the whole idea started, sitting at a bar in New Zealand in 2010. And then, you know, fast forward eight years, boom, opened up. Yeah. So basically, you just wanted to have your name on a bottle I'm sitting in the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you know, as a, as a restaurant person or a bartender, the only way you make money is if you're there. If you're on your feet bartending, right? Yeah. I wanted to figure a way to make money while I slept. And I thought, you know, making a brand and, and getting, you know, right now we're only in six states, but, you know, to develop a worldwide brand and to let that make money while I'm sleeping. And it does, you know, to a certain extent, you know, you know, even though we are only in a few states, but it does make money when I'm not there. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah, because like you said, a, a restaurant's only making money while it's open. It's open. While there are people in the seats eating, there yeah. are people buying alcohol yeah. I actually had all a, the time. a funny picture. I don't, yesterday was sent to me by a friend, and he, he actually he owns an online publication called The Pier. It's like a, a, a reggae, ska music website and, and yesterday there used to be a band uh, from dc in the 90s called um born american i don't know if you're, you're too young you probably have never heard of them but he was producing them yesterday and this was the lead singer of born american they had a bottle of thrashers rum i <laughs> nice. thought how cool was that you know <laughs> someone i used to listen to when i was younger yeah has a bottle of my rum in his hand so um so i'm guessing um the name of the distillery has something to do with your last name. It's so that was technically no. Oh, because the distillery what? is called Potomac Distilling Company. Oh God, the Dude. brand name Thrasher's gotcha. Rum definitely <laughs> has something to do with my last name. <laughs> my last name is Thrasher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I did the 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 distillery as Potomac Distilling Company. Obviously, we're on the river, and yeah. I didn't know if I was going to do other things other than rum. So I didn't want to just call it. Thrasher's rum distilling because okay. if I wanted to do something else in the future, it'd look weird. So yeah, I it'd be did like Baltimore whiskey company rebranding, gin, uh, right. yeah. rebranding right. the spirits company a few years after. Yeah. So exactly. So, you know, I, I wasn't sure what I knew I wanted to make rum because that's what yeah. I drink. Um, and I thought there was a hole in artisanal rum market back then. Now it's not. Um, <laughs> it's all over the fucking place. Um, I, I do think though, there are, there are f- fewer people that, specialize in rum than there are like other yeah whiskeys or gins or other gins exploding now gins so exploding well the few things is whiskey's sexy right yeah because everyone wants to make whiskey people love whiskey it's the people think it's the first spirit of the americas um it's got and, that uh, sophistication it to it yeah and, and everyone's all about it right now um uh, but the one problem with whiskey is it's, it takes a long time yeah. to make right i mean you have to age in uh, gin, I think I, I honestly think as you know an insider to the bar industry, I think gin exploded way before whiskey did. I mean, because I remember like whew, circa 2010, there just seemed to be a new gin every every week out there. Like there was, I remember I don't remember, it had to be 2010, 2011. Like Brooklyn had like four gins made in Brooklyn. Did that coincide with like just the explosion of craft distilleries? Um, I honestly think craft distillers started a little bit later. Okay. Um, and now I think in the next last year, the next few years, I think you're going to see a massive explosion. Yeah. Cause I, I would think that like a big contributing factor to gin popularity would be, that's one of those 
spirits with uh, character that a distiller can put out right away mm-hmm. while they're waiting for, for their, whiskey. their yeah for yeah. their whiskey and yeah gin and vodka don't need aging right I mean yeah gin needs I think people don't understand what gin is also gin is just vodka with flavoring yeah it's, it's a, a neutral, neutral spirit, spirit with that has stuff thrown in well. It. I think most people that call it gin throw a juniper in it, right? They all throw juniper to make it ginny. I think, doesn't it have to have... Oh, no, I don't think there are any. There, now I can't remember. I don't know if there's laws regarding... Uh, London Dry, I do believe, has to have juniper in it. But, like, all that stuff, London Dry, English gin, even Dutch gin, most of it all has juniper yeah. added to it, right? But I think and with star the, anise, star is anise, common. And, yeah, and cardamom, and but I think what happened in America is the the take of new American gin, and I think of what I think even though it's not American, I think Hendrix is like the first one that didn't have that overwhelming flavor of of um, juniper to it. Yeah, but then you start looking at you know like here in D.C. Green Hat, right? I mean Green Hat, I I'm sure it has some juniper in it, but I don't taste juniper in it. Yeah, like uh, I mean, McClintock mm-hmm. is super close to me. Yep. They're they're a sponsor of this. Yep. Um, they they make phenomenal gin, and theirs is also not. Like, it's not yep. a super jun- yep. junipery one, especially their Gardener's Gin and their Reserve one. Yeah, it's that, so much more gin's botanical by nature, right? Yeah. But you know, most of the time, I th- I, th- I think when people say, "Oh, I don't like gin," I don't think you don't like gin. I don't think you like juniper. Yeah, I think that's it because you know, like I love all gin. Uh, but I, I particularly like new American gin that doesn't have as much juniper in it. The star anise definitely is very polarizing I, I'll, too. I can I can chew on star anise. I yeah, love I mean so I love it because yeah. I I like black licorice, yeah, yeah. but that's yeah. definitely a polarizing flavor. It to is people. It's a big flavor, right? Yeah. Right, let's take a real quick sponsor break, and then I mean I guess we we've only tiptoed into uh, everything you do here, so we'll just continue down that yeah, uh, sure. timeline, and we'll be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, on spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday? Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Right, so where did the name Tiki TNT come from then? All right, so Tiki TNT. I had a... Uh bar unsuccessful bar in arlington virginia on columbia pike oh so real quick side tangent Mm -hmm. so um i guess it it would definitely be fair to just say that you're a restaurateur 
Yeah, oh, I guess. What What's the ratio of failures to successes? that Because mo- there's definitely... Well... Everyone who's successful in restaurants seems to ha- definitely always have a story of the ones who failed. Yeah, so I was a partner in six restaurants at one point. We had six restaurants going. It was uh, four of us, my wife and I, and then my two business partners. Um, realistically, only... One failed out of the six. I mean, when I say fail, it it was open for three years, but it never made any money. Yeah. And I think the last six months I funded it with my American Express. (laughs) (laughs) Not smart. No. Restaurateurs out there, don't fund anything with your American Express. I think Dave Ramsey would frown on that. Yeah, not not the smartest idea. But, so going back to Tiki TNT, I had a bar. It was called TNT. Um on Columbia Pike in Arlington. I grew up in Arlington, grew up around that area. And I was promised by the landlord this was going to be the next it area. We're going to have a trolley going up and down. There's going to be so much stuff going on. Well, it never happened. And trolley's still not there (laughs) seven years later, eight years later. So that bar was called TNT. Uh, Right when that bar opened in 2011 or 12, that's just the president flying by. Don't worry about it. uh, I had a child. His name is Tristan Noah Thrasher. TNT. Oh. My middle name is Michael, so I went through my whole life with being one letter short of being dynamite. So I wanted to make <laughs> so sure my sure son was dynamite, yeah. <laughs> I was going to call him Nemo, but my wife wouldn't go for it. Oh, that's no fair. <laughs> I mean, you would have, you would definitely have helped him get picked on for at least yeah. 12 years of his life. Uh, well, his, his name is... Uh, <laughs> His first name, Tristan, is taken from the Knights of the Round Table, so I figured he could just carry a sword with him okay. or something like yes. that. Yeah. So, uh, as one does. Yeah, school does not <laughs> frown upon carrying a sword yeah. with you. Especially not nowadays. <laughs> They're completely in- inviting. Oh, yeah, for, they love it. For large, sharp <laughs> weapons. Yeah, so that's where the name came about. Uh, in retrospect, I probably should not have called it Tiki because a lot of the Tiki people um, think... My bar is not tiki because it's not dark and dingy and things okay. like that. Tiki seems to be only dark places. Um, I'm an avid, avid, avid scuba diver. So this really is kind of like a Polynesian pub, I would say. Uh, in retrospect, I probably should have just called it that, but then people wouldn't have known what that is either. <laughs> so whatever. It's Tiki TNT, and I love it. Uh, um, I have done a bunch of trips a pre-child when we when we had excess cash we could uh travel and go diving what sucks money out of you more kids or opening restaurants kids yeah yes, I, I mean kids. i've never opened yeah. a restaurant but i know that they are you have a kid so, yeah, yeah two of them yeah, yeah. So they, they, yeah. they take it all yeah and the second uh six and twelve. Oh, the 12 year old's probably taking all your money uh yeah because th- <laughs> thankfully the activity that she's landed on that she loves is horseback riding oh so, uh, th- uh, like uh, thankfully she decided that the cheapest thing that we've yes. <laughs> that we've tried is what she oh, loves my god <laughs> unbelievable and then the little one loves to swim so not only do we have no time <laughs> to <laughs> to ourselves uh we also have no money right exactly <laughs> I heard the swimming's rough. I heard you have to get up at super early hours. And oh, yeah. And then stand around for like eight hours on a Saturday. It's I amazing. I definitely discouraged my son from that. <laughs> you will not swim. <laughs> yeah, I should like, hold on. I'll just stop. <laughs> um, 
so I, I didn't. Okay, so that rolls into another question that I've had for you. What is a tiki bar? I don't know. Like I know that like it's a thing in cocktails and stuff, yeah. but that's not. It's not a world like I've super gone into. Right. So I really don't know what tiki bars are mm. and like the tiki culture and. Yeah. So when you think of the word tiki, I'm gonna read it. Okay. I'm gonna. I googled it and just gonna read what what it means. So. Tiki is a large or small wooden stone carving in humanoid form, also known as the first man. Okay. So Tiki is a god. Technically speaking, Tiki is a god. Tiki culture, and what we have is Tiki bar, you know, what we have, was created by an American dude in California. Right? He just, it kind of the same as me. He would go, you know, travel bring back things that he found as he's traveling and he just put it, put it in a bar. And then all of a sudden that became what us Americans know as a tiki bar, you know, Don the beach comer is, is, you know, the person that kind of started this whole thing. And as American dude, uh, that started all this. And it, you know, I th- sort of like me, I go to places and like, if you see some of these masks around here, I brought these masks back from my diving places. Like, um, that mask on top right there, I grabbed that. There's a little island in the Micronesia called Yap. And I bought that mask at some guy who was carving mask on the side of the road in Yap. So, I mean, I just, you know, grabbed a bunch of stuff as, as I traveled and brought it back. You know, not everything on the wall here or is what I brought back. But I have nothing left at home from my travels. I put everything here. Yeah. So, Tiki, for, tiki is, for me, is a state of mind, right? Like almost like escapism like this if when someone goes to a tiki bar they are they're looking for an escape whether it be from drinking heavily boozy cocktails <laughs> and they can escape or like the surrounding which they can escape um that's what tiki is to me now tiki to other people like there's a a, a website called critiki that's you know I, I, I don't wear Hawaiian shirts that often I do have a lot I, I just, just do because I'm a fat guy <laughs> And that's I am kind also of like, a fat guy. <laughs> um, you know, I don't wear them a lot, but like, that's part of tiki Americana culture, right? It's just what happens, and you know, I, I love I love everything about tiki. You know, like the tiki people think that I'm not tiki. Well, like when you think about rum, rum is not tiki by nature, right? Because tiki is a Polynesian thing. Yeah, rum was not produced in Polynesia. Rum was produced in the Caribbean. Yeah. Right. Amazing. So, I mean, like the whole tiki thing, I think for me, maybe not for everyone else, it's just a state of mind. So it has more to do with the decor and the like, cocktails the, and the, the glasses, glasses yeah, yeah, than sure. it does like what you're actually drinking cool. or the cocktails themselves. The cocktails themselves called- are called tiki, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we have here, we have one section, which are classic tiki's. Which you know, Mai Tais, Zombies, Missionaries, Downfalls. And then we have the section that's not classic Tiki. Like my interpretation of what what Tiki is. My interpretation is it's a state of mind. You come in here, you get taken away to some tropical island, whether it's five degrees outside or it's ninety degrees outside. You know, you get kind of get transported someplace. That for me is what Tiki is. Just a state of mind, a state of being. Okay. And I will argue anyone with that. I also saw. Was it? Two, two or so years ago, I remember seeing people 
like trying to cancel tiki as being yeah, cultural, cultural appropriation you know but it I mean? doesn't like it doesn't sound like it actually is like well, it, it was Zoma. i mean i guess this like the well, i mean actually i guess the name itself yeah. is kind of but yeah. like the whole and it was starting right the whole movement of tiki in america was started by a white dude yeah yeah that but that so, but i think what he was doing is kind of showing everybody this is out there you can go see it too. And that's kind of what, like, this is kind of a story, like, in the bathroom, in one of the bathrooms, the blue bathrooms, is a picture of my wife scuba diving in Palau. So, Palau is another island in Micronesia. And, like, I love, they're like, oh, where's that picture taken? And I say Palau. And they're like, where the F is Palau? So, like, you're, t- you're I'm yeah. like showing people, oh, wait, this is amazing island in the South Pacific. And if you dig diving, you should go now because it's amazing. But so like the but what I mean by like it's not really is that I mean I guess if you take the name away and like the 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 symbology of the glasses sure. it's not like this this stuff was being done in Polynesia and he just came as like hey they're doing this over here let's do this here now like right, he no. created something he created this just right. using right. Imagery and a name, and on his from, travels of of yeah. what he did and where he traveled. Right, that's what yeah. he, he it doesn't it. sound like. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know, but God knows, I don't want to take anyone's culture from them. Yeah, but, you know, like I, I I think places like this is kind of expanding cultures, right? Like showing people, like that mass right there is Fijian, that mass right there is from Tahiti. There's and you can see the difference in the carvings and things like that. If you if you really look. You know, yeah. I don't know how many people really look at stuff like that when they come here. That just kind of want to get their boozy cocktails and yeah. <laughs> look out the window at the river. Maybe, maybe like ten percent of. Yeah, of the I'm thinking like point one percent. Chad, Chad, and Becky are not here for that. <laughs> Oops, did I say so, that? So, are, could you imagine having one of those names that just? Get, become synonymous with like like if you're a Kyle yeah or like, <laughs> Brad yeah um so if you go down the stairs there make sure you look before you leave we had this issue of people getting drunk and wandering around the building and downstairs is employees only area we had it you know blocked off and everything like that so it says employees only and I'm talking to you Chad and Becky <laughs> they don't get it though so anytime I, I find someone that wandering down the stairs I call them that name and they're like oh I don't get it I don't get it unless their name how'd you Chad know my name <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah so tiki bars I love them I love going to them. any 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 city or state or country I go to if there's a tiki bar I'm going and it's not because I you know I kind of just love the idea of the cocktails and using rum and things like that, right? Yeah, I I enjoy anything that has a story, Me like too. even like even th- or like a culture built mm-hmm. around it. Even if it's something I don't like, right? Itself, I love the the um, everything surrounding it, the stories and the pageantry yeah. kind of and stuff. Like I, uh, I I get a good example. Be I've watched and read. Tons of stories and stuff about NASCAR. Mm-hmm. I could not care about NASCAR less. Mm-hmm. But there are huge personalities. There's traditions. Like I find that kind of stuff uh, the, interesting. So like I've never been into. Have you tiki. gone to a NASCAR race? No, it's really boring. They just turn left. Yeah, the whole I don't. Time. Yeah, I I don't think I would enjoy it. Well, you know, for long. Right, I probably you, would at first, and yeah. then I'd be like, okay, let's. Uh, well, you know uh, how NASCAR got to start. 
I, uh, rum runners, right? Bootlegging. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not just particularly rum, but yeah, yeah. The bootlegging. Yeah, bootlegging. They were they were the guys. So you had the moonshiners that made the made the the moonshine, and then you had the guys bootlegging and, and taking it places. That's how it all started. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You ever so watch that like show Moonshiners on um, Discovery? I think. Yeah, that's how I learned Fucking that. Awesome. I love it. Um, that I think that was where I learned that the reason people would go blind or get sick from moonshine had nothing to do with how moonsh- like moonshine itself. It's that they were using lead radiators right. as their uh, yeah. uh, cool, to cool down mm-hmm. and distill yeah, with. Le- lead kills. Yeah, it wasn't. It in wasn't more ways than one. Yeah, it wasn't the liquor. Yeah. It was running hot yeah. vapor, yeah. leaching lead, the lead. Right. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so things have changed to say no we don't yeah. do that here you don't have any lead <laughs> in your still i hope not <laughs> a lot of copper um so you were saying like pure tiki people will criticize here that yes. it's not dingy enough so is no, that i wouldn't uh, dingy dark or, okay. yeah dark yeah so uh, I, we are definitely a little dingy like sometimes a, like closer to like a speakeasy type yeah of dark vibe. with uh no windows so you can't see outside i mean i've been to some amazing tiki bars right like Tiki Tea in, uh, in, in, in Hollywood, amazing, dark, you know. Yeah. Three Dots and Dash, I think, is one of the greatest modern bars and um, modern tiki bars in America. It's in Chicago. It's underground. It's all dark. And I love it. I love it. When um, my dad was working here in the uh, early 80s, uh, there was a Trader Vic's on K Street. Same thing. You know, that was the first tiki bar I ever went to. Dark, dingy. Not, not dingy. Dark, dark. Like, yeah. windows pulled. And it's just a different vibe. I mean, like, you're here. We have a lot of sun coming in. Yeah, it's nothing of, but natural right, light. <laughs> I want nothing but natural light. So we're just different. I went, like, like I just said a minute ago, um, I like going to tiki bars. Last week, um, one of the states we're available in, Thrasher I'm available in, is, is in Pennsylvania. My biggest market in Pennsylvania is Pittsburgh. That's where I'm from. Oh, Best city go, in the world. Go Steelers. Yeah. Um, so there's an amazing... It's going to be a big year. Pickett's going to do oh, amazing it's things. It's not going to be a big year. No, it's <laughs> going to suck again. Um, <laughs> I hope he does big things, but let's be honest. Uh, uh, or Mitch Trubisky could kill it, right? It's could, not going to be Mitch. <laughs> it's it's going to be Pickett. <laughs> um, so I was in Pittsburgh last week, and there's, there's an amazing tiki bar, Hidden Harbor. I've never been there. I've tried to go there like three or four times, but, you know... Is we, it in the Strip or along uh, Carson it's, Street? I don't know where it is. You're asking too is much. It a long, I, is I it a long? Uber. Is it a long road with nothing but bars? Yeah. Or okay, it's on Carson Street then. Okay. Are you sure? Well, it's I mean, next I'm to not, a college. Oh, then it's in probably in Oakland, probably along Forbes Avenue, maybe. Hold on, let's see. Hidden Harbor. Oh, that's not it. I'm Pittsburgh. Um, so I went there while I'm getting where it is, uh, and I've never been able to go before. It's been open six years. We've been open four years. And, but I've gone up to Pittsburgh quite a bit because I, I drop rum up there quite a bit. And um, I was taken back because it reminded me of this place so much because it had natural light and airy and it had, you know, kind of a nautical theme to it. They had ropes and things hanging. Yeah. And I, I really unbelievably dug it. You know, it was unbelievable how much it remind me of de- this I mean, place. Pittsburgh's definitely known for its nautical vibe. Is it? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to get that from it. I got a lot of steel and rust up there. And that's it. They're still, well, they're trying to 
uh, spit shine some of that off. But <laughs> I don't know. I think you should keep it. I, I think you should keep it. I, I love Pittsburgh. Well, I it's, love... A, it's all being moved into um, any of the new hip uh, places that they build. There's usually some sort of chunks of a mill or yeah, some yeah, sort yeah. of... Um, you know, Baltimore's like that, too. I kind of dig that. Yeah, yeah it looks cool. Yeah, it I, mean, looks it, cool. It, I think uh, the industrial vibe is... Uh, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. So Shady Avenue is where they are. You know, any idea where Shady Avenue is? I mean, I, my first guess would be Shady Side, um, uh, but no idea. I'll have to look it up later because yeah. this probably Shady is Side. Not, there you go. Okay. Right there, Shady Side. Okay. Yeah, that's a cool area. There was a. That's where the bridge collapsed. Uh, yes. Recently. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, they told me about that. Yeah. My my Uber driver told me that's exactly where the bridge showed me where the bridge collapsed. Yeah, yeah. My uh, brother in law and sister in law live right near there. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to ask them. They've probably been there. Yeah. It's before. good. You should go. All right. Let's take uh, one more quick sponsor break, and then we get back. Uh, Talk about rum, maybe. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's a good yeah, guess. Yeah. Whatever. I buy my beer at District East in downtown Frederick, Maryland. They have an amazing selection of local and hard-to-find beers, and I love the option of making my own mix-and-match custom six-pack. District East is on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Showroom Restaurant and Rockwell Brewery. Most weeks, they have over 950 beers in stock. Check out this week's selection at www.districteastbeer.com. Are you planning on having custom glassware made for your business? Glassware availability for 2022 has already reached capacity, and it looks like costs will predictably rise this year. Don't worry, ACS Brand My Beverage has you covered with over 6 million units of the most popular glass styles exclusively in their inventory to meet your branded glassware needs right now. Lock in today's lower prices and take immediate delivery, or ACS will store your product for you until you're ready. Email sales at brandmybeverage.com or visit brandmybeverage.com to reserve your glassware. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. So you listed distiller as one of your titles. Mm -hmm. Did um, so when you opened? Were you the one doing the distilling, yeah, or how did you go about learning how to do that? That's that's one of the things I'm always interested in, since it's not technically legal to do that on your own. That's right, <laughs> not legal at all. Uh, so. Um, like I told you earlier, this 2010 thing decided to uh, become, make a brand, right? And, you know, didn't have any clue. Uh, like, I will say I did have a clue because I've been bartending all my life and running restaurants. Um, also, along the way, I became a sommelier. So reading a lot about wine, right? right? Tasting a shit ton of wine. Um, reading about liquor. Just what, what level are you? Uh, advanced, yeah. But this was all way back in the day. I mean, like, oh, circa 2000. I don't remember. What stage is advanced? Uh, it's like the, the second. Okay. Yeah. Um, back then, it was the second. Now, I think it's like 
second or third. I don't even know. I, I right. you know, I drink wine. I yeah. still love reading about wine. <clears throat> but honestly, it just got to the point where I'm like, I'm not smart enough to do to, to do this. <laughs> I'm going to stop right now yeah. and, and stay. Um, but being in the wine business, uh, being a small Yeda restaurant, and then running the bar program, you start reading about things. So you do, you know, I knew how to distill. I knew the 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 theory operation behind. and theory of distillation, but I had never done it. Um, so 2010, yada, 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 decide, okay, I'm going to open a distillery. Well, you better fucking learn how to distill, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so probably 2000. I mean, that's definitely within the first couple of steps. Yeah. <laughs> Get a book, <laughs> Distillery for Dummies. <laughs> so um, I got all these little books, how to open an urban distillery, mi- micro distillation, uh, and, I, and then thank heaven for Amazon. I mean, for me anyway, with, with that, there you could find micro distillation kits and you could get a glass distillation kit, a one liter distillation kit. So you practice by making essential oils? Oh uh, yeah. Called rum. <laughs> yes. With Domino sugar. Uh, you know, we start, I started with, you know, ferment, fermenting Domino sugar and you can find yeast anywhere. Yeah. You know, I have, there's a store by my house called the local homebrew store. And so I would go up there and grab yeast and talk to those guys about fermentation and, you know, started fermenting Domino sugar and then, Oh, turbinado sugar and then uh, uh there's a, a sugar from central america called panela which is uh, a really hard sugar that's wrapped in corn husk i would dis- distill that stuff you know molasses get grandma's molasses from you know the grocery store so i started doing that on, on you know a micro level and one liter still and from there someone told me uh there's this guy in the uh, ozarks of arkansas that makes stills do you watch that show course it's amazing yeah this i found sorry I, i'm gonna keep interrupting you with some good bs um this, I, this I helps thought, my adhd go. i thought that was and i feel like the older i get the worse mine gets <laughs> um the i felt like it was a good ending for like mm-hmm. it wasn't the worst ending to a series yeah. but it wasn't uh great yeah i was satisfied but not like blown away yeah yeah it wasn't like the sopranos where yeah we we're like uh, what uh what what, yeah did he die did he not <laughs> yeah. die yeah yeah yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, start Googling this guy in Arkansas and find out, Oh, it's legal to have a still. And he lays it all out for you. Why, how, why it's legal and how it's legal. So I bought a uh, 10 gallon copper pot still 10 gallon copper pot still. You may be able to see it if you look through the window down there. Um, so I started distilling in my backyard, you know, is that with like getting the, like some kind of educational license or something? It it, it has to do with the amount you produce over the course of a year. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I produced nothing and I I threw away everything because I was, I was scared to go blind because I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what heads or tails were. What the hell is that? Uh, so I got a copper pot still and you know, like one of those propane Turkey, yeah, which you deep fry. So I started distilling on that and just butchering shit all along the way. And then, you know, getting into it, then you start like, oh, oh, hmm. And playing with different yeasts and things like that. So that's how it all started, honestly, in my backyard. And then um, after I signed the lease on this space and figured I'm going to have to buy a still and buy fermenters <laughs> and I should really learn what to do. Yeah. So I actually started researching American made stills. Figured there at that point there were kind of really three big ones that were made in America, so um, Hibilly Stills made I think in Kentucky. I could be wrong. Could be Tennessee. Um, Basically the same thing. Vendom made in Kentucky, which is the big one, and then Corson, which was made in Boise, Idaho. Uh, 
Hibbley Sills was the cheapest. Vendam was the most expensive. Uh, Corson was kind of right in the middle on the high end. Um, so I'm like, okay, usually you don't go to the cheapest, you don't go to the most expensive. But Vendam did have a name, right? So Vendam's like the grandest. So I'm like, screw it. I have a little bit of cash here. I'm going to buy a Vendam. Get start emailing with him, and it's 36 months to get the still made. I'm like, that was going to be one of my questions because I know, like, around when a lot of the Frederick uh, distilleries mm-hmm. opened, like the lead times were obscene, obscene for for stills. Right. So I had about 24 months to get the building open and going. So Corson had a lead time of 18 months, which is still, you know, a good amount of time. Yeah. But I'm like, okay. So uh, I went with Corson, and so that was. 2016 or so uh and then you start hearing stuff about Corson. maybe some stills are blowing up i'm like oh shit but so i called them i'm like okay and we were not open yet we were not ready to go yet i was not ready for delivery yet those windows there still weren't in and you know i start reading about stuff and start hearing about shit and start looking at all the you know distillery forms and things like that i'm like oh god Looks, it looked like they were going to go out of business. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Send it. They're like, well, I'm like, oh, you know, I've already spent $100,000, given yeah. $100,000. They're like, oh, well, I'm like, okay, then I'm just going to go out and fly out, and I'm going to rent a truck and bring everything back. I'm like, I'm going to do it. Like, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to make it happen. They're like, well, we had a little pressure test, not really ready yet. And so pressure testing was happened to this other still that kind of blew up. I'm like, okay, when's it going to be ready? They're like, like they give me a two weeks like okay send it so they sent it i'm like oh thank you lord so <laughs> then three weeks later they went out of business oh jeez. yes so there was i can't remember what there was a brewing equipment manufacturer that did that like took i mean i can't remember what the total figure was but there were a lot of breweries that were set to open that like lost everything because that yeah, that, that equipment happens, manufacturer right? yeah. went under and you know, hadn't I, made the brew houses and yeah from from what i gather corson knew they were going out of business but they did their best to get everything done for the people that had given them money well at least I, they went that route instead I, I, of trying I, I, to yeah, like I, not worrying about right. it yeah I, I believe that's what they did because um, i didn't hear of anyone not getting their equipment yeah. now did I have issues with any kind of help? Yeah, there was no help. And, you know, I had paid extra money to, to get them to come out. For, and, like, and, training. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't get that. And, but whatever. We figured yeah. it out. Uh, so then I buy the still. Okay. Now, how does this shit work, right? Like, I know how that 10-gallon still works, but this has a control panel. It has, you know, glycol systems. It has steam jackets. So I didn't get it yet. But um, there's this place in Louisville, Kentucky called moonshine university <laughs> shit you got to go there right so uh I, I start researching and start looking it up and that's you know there's a few schools uh, in america where you can learn to go learn to distill so i kind of I, I knew how to do it right at that point i know how to distill yeah on that little still but i don't know everything else there is an unbelievable amount of science yeah behind uh Distilling. Yeah, and so science was the only thing I was good at in school. Like uh, math well, that works out well. A- English, English is like my third language. I think the way I speak. <laughs> uh, but science was the only thing I was good at in school, uh, and the only thing kind of I was interested in, you know, other than playing baseball, science, maybe some history. So went to Moonshine University. So I did a um, a general distillation class with them, 
which they kind of walk you through the still, walk you through fermentation. They had 150 gallon still because kind of similar size. I did that. That was a seven day, a five day class. Then I went back and did a um, kind of a rum education and rum distillation course with a guy named Luis Ayala. Uh, who taught that at Moonshine University. He has, a, he has a website called Got Rum. He's really knowledgeable. And I can call him, email him, and he'll answer any questions I want, you know, I, uh, pretty much all the time within minutes. It's amazing. He's a very nice guy. Then I did a, um, a general fermentation class with probably the smartest man I've ever met in my life. His name's Dr. Pat Heist. He owns a company called Firm Solutions based out of uh, Kentucky, and he owns a, a distillery called Wilderness Trail Distilling. Uh, they're both in Danville, Kentucky. And this guy is, quite frankly, a genius, like Menza-level guy. Uh, and, you know, he, I went to the fermentation class. Fermentation class was only two days. Um, but, like, we'd go out afterwards and have cocktails and have beer or whatever, uh, and, you know, rum for me. And we'd talk for hours in Kentucky. And we, I was staying at the Selbach Hotel. And he just, he just took a general like liking to me and it would help me out all the time. So we started talking about yeast, what I should use for my yeast. And he suggested, you know, a certain strand. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So that's what I use, you know. And I use a strand of yeast that was not particularly made for rum, but we use it for rum. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was what he said works well. Yeah, and he's much smarter than I am. So, <laughs> yeah, so then that's how, you know, went there, did three classes, then um, came back and like, all right, let's. So, what are we going to use for raw material? So, rum has to be derived from from cane, right? Yeah. Most people think it could be any sugar source. They could use sorghum. They could use beets or such. But it has to be derived from cane. That's pretty much the only law in rum making. Is it has to be from cane. So now you got to figure out where am I going to get cane from? I'm in Washington D.C. I don't know if you if you see any cane fields around here. I, I might have passed one yeah. as I was going through, I think, Rockville. Yeah, Rockville, but I don't think. Sure. <laughs> I think Bethesda Row may have yeah. some cane fields. So then you start looking like, you know, cane is subtropic, right? So it, it grows in the tropics. And the closest cane field for us is Charleston. Okay. Because um, I wanted to use fresh, fresh cane juice. And then you find out you cut cane. Starts fermenting right away. So now, like, that's kind of, you can buy evaporated cane juice, things like that. Oh, so as soon as it is exposed to air there's just Boom. enough fermentation. natural oh, yeast yeah. that it'll yeah i guess because it's, it's pure sugar pure sugar yeah huh. there's I, I there's this one distillery in um louisiana that i believe what they do they cut and start mashing right there on the truck so they start fermentation on the truck as they're transporting back to the distillery It'd be pretty cool if we had that uh but i don't so yeah. you know what's the next thing molasses and sugar right so we found, you know, a, a company in America that, that produces sugar and molasses. Um, and I didn't want to go the route of just using sugar. Sugar produces really light rums. Molasses usually kind of heavier, darker, uh, more stinkier rums. I kind of wanted to go something in the middle. Um, my favorite rum to drink of all times is the Eldorado from Guyana. Uh, my second favorite is old school Appleton's rum. Like old, old Appleton's rum, not the new stuff. The new stuff's fine, but like the old stuff. They changed their recipe, or uh, just, I think just as with it time, scaled up. And, yeah, it scaled up, and you know, changed and, and got bigger, and used you know a lot less dunder, and you know, cleaned it up. Yeah, which you know, kind of I did the same thing after a while. So I, I said, if Appleton's and Eldorado got together, made a baby, that would be me. Um, so we do equal parts sugar and molasses. 
I use um, this yeast from Firm Solutions that uh, Dr. Heiss said would I think would work well. We did when we started. We you know we did a lot of little fermentations, like a lot of ten gallon fermentations, five gallon actually five gallon fermentations in my Home Depot buckets. Um, and we probably tried ten to fifteen different types of yeast, and that was the one we ended up liking. And you know, like when you make rum, it's fermentation, right? So you're basically making stinky, funky, terrible beer. Yeah. Uh, so we, we made stinky, funky, terrible beer. And then just based on that, the taste of fermentation, we actually chose that, that one for, to make the rum. Yeah. The first time I ever talked to a distiller when they were teaching me the basics of distilling, that's what they said is like, the first thing we do is make really bad beer. Right. And then we turn it into a a good, really terrible beer. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, and Justin Owens, who helped me in the distillery, for all intents and purposes, he's the distiller now because I have to do a million different things. Yeah. Uh, um, he comes from a home brewing background and cheese making background, so he loved fermentation. Um, so yeah, there are there are quite a few distilleries that the head distiller was either like a professional brewer yeah, yeah. or like super but into it. Makes sense, right? Yeah, they already know the first half. Yeah, you need you know and, I think you probably the first half and probably the most important half. Yeah, is knowing how to ferment and ferment well. I um I mean when I knew nothing about distilling, I never would have thought that like what you distill factors in so much to the the taste when mm-hmm. you're done. Like my pro- thought process was like like you're always just making vodka. Yeah. It tastes like nothing right. <laughs> or should taste like nothing taste and like then nothing, it's right. the barrel that yeah. does everything. Amazing. Then, everything comes out of still white and it becomes brown later. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. said I I didn't realize that things can taste so very different depending on what yeah. you start distilling from. Right. Yeah. I mean even like the raw ingredients of the sugar and the molasses if you get if I get a different sugar from a different area the end results can be way different, right? So now we like we have our own taste now, you know, after almost four years we have our our taste you know i did not want to make bacardi because i could not compete with bacardi yeah i mean i didn't want to make captain morgan's because i cannot compete with captain morgan's i wanted to make something that was unique and individual to us so like we're here on the river we leave the fermenters are supposed to be completely open so we get air and things in and you know river air and things like that so i wanted to make something that we had our own taste not Something that eh, tastes like Bacardi, tastes like vodka. Didn't want to do. It. I want to make something that had a little bit of funk and some fun to it, and yeah. you know, tastes like rum a hundred years ago. Do you do um, infused rums and stuff too, like yeah. the coffee and? Not, like- I haven't done coffee yet. So what we do, we have a baseline, Thrash's rum, and we. I, I like to say I make white rum. That's what I do. I mm-hmm. make white rum. Uh, so from that white rum, we make traditional spice rum, which we use. Clove, cardamom, mace, dried oranges, star anise, like we talked about earlier, Mexican cinnamon, dehydrated vanilla from Tahiti, and a few other things. And we let that macerate, so we make spice run. One thing we don't do is add sugar after distillation. No sugar after distillation. Sugar after distillation is what gives everyone hangovers. So if you drink too much, it's because it's sugar added after distillation. That sugar doesn't break down. That makes sense because a lot of like a bigger beer often will also, like if it's not dry, and I guess that's why like non-dry wines, mm-hmm. people also say will give and, them hangover. Yeah, in wine too, the, the term is called chapelization, just adding sugar to it okay. to make it sweeter. I don't. If you taste other bulk, not bulk rum, commercial rums, if you taste them, you can actually taste sweetness in them. 
So I don't. So my spice rum is super dry, made not necessarily to go with Coca-Cola, made kind of for classic cocktails, Manhattans, old fashioned things okay. like that. So we make what that. about just a sip? Because my favorite cocktail is um, a glass of ice and just stuff poured over it. Because yeah. basically I'm lazy. Yes. And I hear ice you. Me too. Uh, yeah, it's good, for, <laughs> it's good for sipping. It is spicy though. You know, okay. it's not. And it has no wood, so it hasn't mellowed out at all. Yeah. So it's a, and then the next one we make um, is called Green Spice Rum. So we talked earlier about my love of gin and things like that. Uh, I wanted to make a gin. I'm a, when I go diving, one of my favorite thing to drink used to be Mount Gay and tonic. I also love gin and tonic. So I wanted to make something that kind of crossed the bridge between rum and gin. So I made what it was called Green Spice Rum. So I make the white rum. We dump all the distillate back in the still. And then in the vapor basket or gin basket for vapor distillation, I add lemon verbena, spearmint, lemon balm, lemongrass, green cardamom, and lime peels. And I vapor distill over that. So that's called the green spice rum. Made specifically to go with tonic water. I think it's delicious with tonic yeah. water. Uh, also goes... That sounds really good. Yeah. You should taste. You have never tasted it? No. Yeah, you should taste. Um, and then, you know, <coughs> excuse me, uh, made to go with mojitos, obviously mint yeah. in there. But what I found out, and people have told me, is they like drinking it straight. They over ice and just yeah. straight because it has like that summery vibe to it. Um, Wine Enthusiast Magazine named it's one of the top 100 spirits in the world last year with that. So Awesome for a little 972-square-foot distiller. I was pretty proud about that. Actually, your still is a lot larger than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. Like, I just, because like, I figured, like, the... The square footage wouldn't allow, but yeah. like the buildings kind of seems like it was almost just built around it. Yeah, to, <laughs> actually, I I was gonna do a larger still, but we ran out of room. I was gonna do okay. a four hundred gallon still, okay. but this is no room. Yeah, uh, and then we make. I had set out to make pineapple rum at one point, and then there's a rum made by plantation called Stiggins Rum, Stiggins Pineapple Rum, and it's really good, and. I'm an egomaniac, and, but I do realize when I can't do something as good as that. Yeah. So I was going to make pineapple rum, but I'm like, why? They already do it, and it's really good, and I buy it all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, there was a hole in the coconut rum market, right? I mean, there is no coconut. Technically speaking, no coconut rum on the market because uh, to be a distilled spirit, it has to be 80. It has to be 80 proof, 40% alcohol by volume. All those coconut rums on the market, you know, the ones we know, Malibu or Captain Morgan Parrot Bay or things like that. I think they're like 21% alcohol by volume, 42 proof. So they're not technically. They're, they're more of a liqueur. They're a liqueur, uh, right. They're a liqueur, which is, you know, fine. One of the problems I had with those types of spirits as a bartender is I'm always really easy to throw sugar into something to make it sweeter. I can't pull sugar out of things. So, and, and so I never would use those types of spirits or liqueurs. What I would do as a bartender illegally is is macerate coconut in in rum to make rum is to make coconut rum in virginia taking stuff out of the bottle put it back in was completely illegal but we did it anyway and we only got caught like once or twice <laughs> and the abc agents always was really cool they would come in and just dump it down the drain and say don't do that again like, yes sir and back. back yeah very very cool about it and they understood the you know what we were the restraints of virginia so now basically what we do here um, is make white rum, dump it back in the still, vapor to still again. But what we do before that, we take, we have these bags, they're called super bags, like microfine uh, mesh straining bags, like cider bags, something like that. Like a cheap 
yeah. sheepskin kind yeah, of. Yeah, th- but these are all synthetic. Sheepskin, yeah. um, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, hang, and I it's put... It's a fancy tea bag. It's, it, basically, it's <laughs> tea, right? That's what, exactly. So we have these two uh, hooks in the still. They're called gin hooks or whatever you want to call them. Well, I take uh, 40 pounds in each bag of fresh, frozen Thai coconut, baby c- coconut, and I put them in the, and submerge them into the, into the rum. And we turn the still on, get it up to 165 degrees or whatever, then turn it off. Evaporation starts at 173, right? So we don't want it to get up there and start evaporating yeah. off. So then we turn the still off, and we basically make coconut tea. And then the next morning we come in and vapor distill. We add uh, 40 pounds of dehydrated, toasted, sweetened, condensed coconut to the vapor basket. And then we vapor distill over top of it. And so now we've made coconut rum with two expressions of coconut within the rum, at full proof, at 80, with no sugar added after distillation. So it's in no artificial drink. It's, we, I also made like a super tincture of, I took like 150 proof rum we make, and then just like put a shit ton of coconut yeah. in it, and then press it through a fruit press. So we, now we have like coconut, or homemade coconut extract. So we do add that back to it just to get it more coconut And you know, like when you think of coconut, you think of like Hawaiian Tropic, right? So that extract that we make, is the Hawaiian Tropic part of it. That's where I get all that massive nose from. Not necessarily the flavor of the coconut, but they get the nose from the coconut But it makes there. you taste it. And, and it makes the, you feel it. Yeah. yeah, it makes you feel it in your throat. So is your, um, do, do you kind of take the philosophy then, it seemed like what you said, when you're designing your rums, that to make them more versatile as a cocktail than to have... I get like almost too much where it's harder to make a cocktail out right, of it because yeah. there's too much going on yeah. with the rum itself. Right. So the, the baseline of rums, the one we just talked about, all right, I made them for bartenders because I'm a bartender. I made yeah. a rum for mixing for bartenders. The white rum is amazing. It's good. Like for me, because it does have flavor, it has funkiness, like in a daiquiri, it's amazing. So I made those rums for bartenders. The one issue that I didn't see was this thing called the coronavirus. You heard about it? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I think I saw it mentioned yeah. on um, the TV yeah. once or twice, So I think. my whole idea, marketing plan was bartender, 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 bartender. Then they went away for... I'm a bartender. <laughs> I'm, I, want, I want you to know that you too, if you want to do something different in your life, you can open a distillery and, and do this, right? Yeah. So my whole marketing idea. Then it went away. Fuck. What happened? Yeah, there were, there were, I've talked to um, a lot of people in the last year that had like very unfortunate timing, like yeah. opened a brewery that was taproom focus only in uh, like June of 2020. Oh, and yeah. like, you just feel for those yeah. people so bad. But thankfully, um, people liked to, to drink a lot they during that time they frame. Yeah. So it, well, that did save us downstairs yeah. anyway, yeah. Yeah, so those are all focused to bartenders um i do have you know I, I would say a barrel program here we do um we have about 70 barrels laid down we have uh, a bunch of new american oak barrels and then we have a bunch of used bourbon barrels which you know we talked about new american gin a while ago so i think you know talking about new american rum a lot of new american rums take on the flavor of whiskey because everyone uses big barrels you know yeah. charred up and smoked up uh, you know, clear rum goes in, dark rum comes out again. <laughs> Amazing science. It's weird how it yeah. works. So, um, but you know, traditional Caribbean rums would always use uh, use American bourbon barrels or or use whiskey barrels. So we have both of them going on downstairs. So I do produce one called the Relax Rum, uh, and it's uh, 
at, on the back label, I think it says it aged at least 18 months in, in New American Oak. So we have that, but most of them now are over 30 months old. So I haven't released one since Christmas last year. I probably won't do another until Christmas this year. Do you have a Rick house somewhere? Or no, is it bro, everything done yeah, smoke, all in? Smokestack. We have uh, 15 barrels in a smokestack. Right under us is, a, in a, is an ice room with ice machines. We have like 30 barrels in there. And then we have in the distillery itself probably close to uh, 25 barrels in the so distillery. So everything's produced and Stored, done here. bottled here for now. Yeah, yeah, I am looking for a warehouse space where we can move stuff off now because, you know, right before the pandemic, we're actually about to sign a lease in a warehouse space. And thank heaven I didn't because I probably wouldn't have been in business because it's, you know, yeah, extra cash not. a month. So, yeah, we are looking right now. We'll, we'll probably at least move all the storage off, off site because, yeah. you know, if we move all the storage off site for now, it would free up a lot of space for downstairs. You know, eventually I want to grow, right, and buy a warehouse and buy a, a big still and it make more. But yeah. right now, you know, we're four years old. And I'm going to get there. We'll get there, but it's, it's a process. And, you know, COVID definitely slowed the process down. We're, you know, two years behind schedule of where yeah. I want to be. Well, I don't think those two years count anymore so okay, you really okay. you're kind of on, on schedule, on schedule. Yeah. i like you it. can just like subtract it. those two years from yeah <laughs> but i will say one of the best things about covid two great things happened with covid number one i got to spend more time with my family which as a restaurant person i never spent time with my family i never That's had a dinner with my rare family. luxury yeah i never did so that changed i had to have dinner with them all the time and now i still have dinner with them all the time i didn't change my my schedule i'm, I'm i'll usually be here in the morning leave around four have dinner and if i need to come back i'll come back yeah. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then one of the other thing was I dumped about 400 gallons of rum back into the still at the beginning of COVID because I came in one day and I didn't like the way it smelled. So COVID allowed me so I wouldn't have to worry about so much about TNT or going out selling. Uh, you didn't have to keep the bar fed so to, you could I have could, a little lull to stuff and make it different. So we dumped, we had, we had a two, 200 gallon holding tank down there and then we probably had close to fuck. 200, 300, 400 bottles of, of rum downstairs. I dumped it all back in the still, redistilled it twice, completely changed how we were distilling and changing our cuts. And it went from the rum being, eh, it's, it's, it's good, to, oh, I'm going to drink this all the time now. Because I don't know if That's you, awesome. I don't know if you've noticed, a lot of distillers don't drink anything except what they make. Have you ever yeah, noticed I've never, this? I've never asked Yeah, go that. out with a distiller sometimes. I've, you'll see they only pretty much drink what they make. Yeah. So, like, I didn't never understood that until now because I didn't, my rum was fine. The first year and a half we were rolling, right? Yeah. First two, it was fine. It was technically fine. <laughs> like there was no bad things in it, but I didn't love it. And COVID the first three or four months of COVID allowed me to change everything and change distillation, change our cuts, change our temperatures where we're cutting things like that. And it was awesome. Now I, I drink it. I, I probably drink the green spice rum more than anything. Nice. Yeah. That, the, um, I had a thought, but I completely lost it. Welcome to my life. Get some ginkgo biloba. <laughs> I, um, yeah, it's completely gone. It was probably stupid anyway. Uh, the, oh, it was the, the, it, it's, I would imagine it's like that in the rum world too. Although I think there are a lot more cheaper rums than there are like cheaper whiskeys and stuff. They're well known, but like that one of the kind of handicaps for the craft distilling um, world compared to like the craft brewing world is like craft brewers came along like we're doing something better we're doing something with more flavor but in craft distilling like the big guys 
are making a good product. Like you're yeah. not coming in saying I can do something better than what the mass produced is. You can do something different. Yeah, I, don't, I think better is always weird, right? Because if you're a beer drinker and you like Budweiser. Yeah, a fruited sour is not better. Not better. Or an IPA right. is definitely not, not better. Not better, right? <laughs> it's different. Yeah. And I think that's what craft brewing and craft distilling set out to be. I don't, you can't. Well, you can't even, compete. I mean, a, a craft lager, that, like just a craft American lager, I would say is definitely better than right. like a, a mass produced American lager. Yeah, but that's American you. Lager. Yeah, it's Someone true. else. That's true. If, like, if you, like you said, if you're a Budweiser right. drinker, like Coors Light right. is crappy. Yeah, so. if, do, I, do I want, <laughs> if I want to add junk lager, I'm drinking Schlitz. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm going. That's a, that's a good point too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, Better is a, yeah. is, is, is a term that people is, like what they like. They like what they like. Now, am I going to, am I going to make someone like Thrasher's spice rum that loves Captain Morgan? Well, probably not. Number one, I don't know if Captain Morgan actually uses natural spices. Number two, I don't know. At if, that scale, probably Yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't think they do. Yeah. And there's definitely sugar added after distillation. So someone that loves Captain Morgan's, and I used to be that guy. I used to love Captain Morgan's. And Captain Morgan's only 35% alcohol by volume, 70 proof. So, again, liqueur, not rum. I'm not going to make them or change their mind to come to my rum. They have to be willing to, to, to do it. If, you know, if they're stuck in the ways, they're stuck in the ways. For the longest time, I had no idea that Captain Morgan was a real person. Captain Henry Morgan. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that it was based on a real yeah. person. Yeah, it used, I have some, uh, some old Captain Morgan rum. It's really good, too. I mean, I st- like, if I'm in a pinch, I'm going to drink Captain Morgan 100. If I'm in a pinch. Like, if I need, you know, like a mixing rum and yeah. I, there's nothing else on the shelf, I'm going to do it. You know? There's nothing wrong, you know, that people get all, especially us in the craft distilling world or, like, the fancy food world, there's no right answer, right? It's like what fits at the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people, I, you know, people get upset and things like that. Like, this is, I'm not curing cancer, bro. I'm yeah. making rum. You know and how helping awesome make that people is? happy. I am. Yeah. Um, you said you're in six states. Yeah. Uh, are you actively expanding that, or is that a comfortable place where you're uh, kind of? I would love into? to get into Florida. Okay. That's what. what be, uh, again, we just want to go there. I want to go there. <laughs> yes, and I want to look at crystal clear blue waters and feel the salt water on my face. And yeah, I I, I do want to go there. I do want to to get in there. Because of wanting to move there, yeah, to have yeah. the name, not to move there. Full this is my home. I'm in DC. I am from yeah. DC, but I do want to spend some winters where where I don't have to deal with the cold. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm down. Uh, but I think yeah. So having the brand already, yeah, having the brand already there, and, named. and I think we fit right. But you know, the problem with craft, I don't think it's as much in craft brewing as it is in craft distilling. If you already have a rum made in your area. Chances are no one's going to pick a, a rum, another rum up. Because they've already, if they want something like, different, right? They're just like I, go if I local. go into Saint, like if I try to go to Saint Augustine with Thrasher's rum, probably not going to get picked up by any distributor because they have Saint Augustine rum. Yeah, I mean that's just kind of, and that seems like how it moves in 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 distilling. There, if they have a rum, they're not going to pick up another rum. Is distilling big in Florida? I, I don't know. Yeah, the laws are definitely a little weird in Florida. I, I was going to say they were lax. I don't I know they they're not lax. No, 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 no. They're not lax. They're, <laughs> okay. they're kind of the opposite of lax. I, I think there's like this, 
I'm not 100% sure, so for me to speak on it would be weird, but I, I do think there's a thing where you can only ha- you can only give a certain amount of taste ounces yeah. per whatever, yeah. So there aren't, like, a ton of distilleries already there. Uh, there are there are uh, a bunch of distilleries in Florida. Okay. I, I don't know the legality and things like this. Um, um, do I have any other? Is is there anything that we haven't covered before I start I will asking say, you stupid questions? No, no, no. I will say I think the uh, the boom of craft distilling may get bigger. I think it. I think so it definitely will. One of the for things for a couple that, reasons. Yeah, well, I'll tell you the main reason for okay. that. The have you heard? You know what an excise tax is. Yes. Okay. So tell people to excise taxes. It's the tax put on the amount of like what you produce. That's right. Not it, you, you don't even if you dump it you still pay that. That's it's right. not by what you sell. It's it's the amount of alcohol and it, there's a formula. Yeah, right? it's but for alcohol, tobacco. Right. Yeah. Um, our previous president changed it. Lowered it a lot, right? Or did a, a he a shit ton? Yeah, a shit ton. I think before, I think before it was at thirteen dollars and fourteen cents per proof gallon. What's a proof gallon? Is a hundred proof. So, the, all the lobbyists got together because beer and wine were, were taxed at a much, 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 much less rate. So, Discus Distilled Spirits Council of the United States got together with the previous administration and started lobbying. Congress to get it reduced. So they got a temporary pass on it and it went to $2.14, $2.79 per liter of proof gallon, which changed dramatically because before I'm paying $13 a proof gallon, now I only have to pay $2.79. So that allowed people to maybe go into producing liquor than producing beer or wine because yeah. it's so much cheaper to do that. And it just it seems to be a profit, more profitable business in general. I think um, distilleries tend to make more money sooner than a brewery does. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, know, none of them are easy. Yeah, none of them are easy. Uh, I will say, having a restaurant connected to it helps a bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. you have built-in clientele. Yeah, I have built-in clientele, and if, if the bottles aren't selling, I can just move them upstairs and, yeah. and put them in a cocktail. So that definitely does help. You know, and like I'm still in my infancy, so I, I'm still learning as I go. Like I, I don't, I don't drink beer, believe it or not. Uh, my wife does, but I don't really have any friends that own distillers. I know um, Bill at Port City, uh, but I mean he's blown up over the last few yeah, years. Yeah, they've so I mean, really like gotten big, massive. Uh, so I don't know, you know, what kind of profit that they make or things like that. But I know they must be doing well because they've expanded and yeah. things like that. So. There is definitely a good profit margin in liquor. In, in the just mixology and cocktails and things just continually grow yeah. and grow yeah. every year. Yeah, I think now like everyone's doing canned cocktails. And they, I don't think I'll ever do canned cocktails. I don't think I, I don't think I can make it taste as good as if I make it up here by myself. I've also, I've talked to plenty of people that there are just so many headaches involved yeah. with that yeah. that it, they're yeah. not even considering yeah. doing it. That that yeah. you have to be at a certain scale yeah. to be able to do that efficiently and. Yeah, we talked about earlier, like, I called a Potomac Distilling Company, and I was maybe making something else, but you know what? I'm not. I've now made that decision. I'm not going to make anything else because I want to be able to make rum really really good, yeah. really well. So if I if I start concentrating on other things... Get distracted. I'm going to get distracted. You wouldn't and, have spent those several months refining right. and making it from right. 
good to great. Yeah, so I'm not going to – I make cocktails in the bar. I make rum downstairs, and that's all we're going to do. We're not going to do anything else. We know – I. In you know, if I'm a knock on wood, but that's bamboo. Um, <laughs> it's close to wood. Yeah, um, it's wood adjacent. <laughs> you know, hopefully we will buy a warehouse and put another still in, put another bunch of fermenters in, and become larger. I mean, yeah. that's the goal. I don't want to. You know, I I don't want to be known in the state. I would like to be a worldwide brand. I mean, that's that's kind of the goal. Yeah. I didn't I didn't set out to be okay. I want to be great. You know. I don't know if I can be Tito, but I could probably be Tato, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, now that we got the story of Tiki TNT and Thrasher's rum, um, let me just ask you. I, I wrap up each episode with just some random stupid questions. All right, I got it. I'm good so, at random stupid questions. Yeah. Uh, do you wash apples before eating them? Hell yeah. And a lot of people don't. Are you kidding me? You know what they do with apples? They put a lot of nasty stuff yeah, on them. Yeah, so like, you know, most of it is put in a, in a warehouse someplace. They spray everything with wax and keep it like 34 degrees so it doesn't go bad. Uh-huh. Yes, you got to wash apples. Does, unless, does honestly, unless I get on, them off a tree, maybe not. Does rubbing them on your shirt that count? That doesn't work, bro. Oh, okay. Uh, you got to no scrub idea. it with a, with a brush. <laughs> uh, best fast food french fries. Defend your answer. Thrasher's famous french fries. You're not fast food, though. Oh, Thrasher's. In Ocean City, bro. (laughs) You just like Not related. Not related. (laughs) What would the title of your biography be? Uh, It's a bartender's life for me. Yo ho, yo ho. (laughs) (laughs) Who would win in a battle between a ninja and a pirate? I got to go with a pirate. Thank goodness. I knew you would be one of the only people to answer this correctly. Yeah. Have you watched um, on... uh, on I, I guess on Netflix, uh, our flag means death. No, gotta watch it. So good. I'll have to watch yeah, that. It's good. I, I'm one of the few people that are on your side that a pirate would yeah. win in that battle. Yeah. Uh, is Batman a ninja? No. What is the scariest movie you've ever watched? Fucking Amityville Horror. Oh, no the one has said that, one. but that's oh right. God, that dude. was a that Look, was a if, mind. A house, if a house says to you, get out, you know yeah. what I'm doing? Yeah. I'm getting out, bro. Fast. The walls start <laughs> bleeding, the flies. Oh my go back and watch it. It yeah. is so scary. Uh flats or drumsticks? Flats. That's the right answer. What's scarier? Aliens or clowns? Aliens. I have no clown fear. I can punch a <laughs> I can punch a clown. <laughs> I mean I you could punch an alien. Too. I don't know if it's gonna work. <laughs> Uh, name a famous person you would love to meet. Dave Grohl. I um, watched the, and I've brought this up so many times that people are probably tired of hearing me say it, the um, episode of uh, Hot Ones that he's on. Have you ever watched those no. videos? what's that? It's a YouTube series where a guy interviews, um, now it's like A-list celebrities, uh, but it started out with just right. like YouTube right. fame people. Um, and what is YouTube exactly? It's, <laughs> it, so he interviews people um, while they eat a series of 10 hot wings with hotter and hotter hot oh, sauces no, on them. That's not my thing. And um, Dave Grohl was on, and it was one of the best. Like, I thought I liked him beforehand, yeah. but he just seems like one of the greatest people to hang out with yeah. in the world. I bet. So I have a 20-second Dave Grohl story. Okay. So I was a waiter slash bartender at a place called Cafe Lanico, like circa... 1994, five or six, I don't know what it was. And it was the middle of the afternoon. Dave Grohl rolls in, and we're open, but we're not really open. They're the only people in the restaurant. Yeah. Dave Grohl rolls in with his mom, has dinner. I can't bring myself to tell, like, to be 
that Steve, guy. No, I can't. Or, so I'm like just waiting yeah. on him, like nothing, whatever. So you've met him. Yes, but like I want to hang out, right? Uh, I, I've actually been in a few situations where we've been in the same place, yeah. but never met him. So He's, isn't he friends with your buddy Elliot? Maybe we can have Elliot look that up. Yeah. Uh, uh, Elliot is, I'm sure he's, Elliot's friends with all those guys, <laughs> right? So he goes to pay, pulls out his American Success Platinum card. And this is after, I guess, I think Foo Fighters have just started. I don't know. It's been so long ago. His credit card gets declined. The bill's like $45, <laughs> right? So I can't bring myself to go back to Dave Roll and say, Here's your card. Your cr- I just took my credit card out of my pocket <laughs> and paid for his lunch and gave him my credit card slip. He didn't know what he signed my credit card slip. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, could, I couldn't go back to him and said your credit card's declined. See, I couldn't do it. See, if you ever were to run into him, you have the most amazing yeah. story of an icebreaker yeah. to tell him. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I kept that credit card slip for the longest time, but now I've, it's gone. Yeah, I probably would have framed it. Yeah, kind of funny. <laughs> but it's like one of those things like That's a great you can't go back to that person and say, oh, your credit card's declined, bro. I'm sorry, Mr. Grohl. Uh, <laughs> it turns out you, you, you've you uh, overextended right. yourself. Right. And like we're, we're pr- pretty much exactly the same age, grew up in kind of the same area. Yeah. And I'm waiting tables in a bar and you're Dave fucking Grohl, yeah. right? <laughs> He's been, I mean, he was this teenager during Nirvana, right? Yeah, or was young. He, he, yeah Maybe young. his early yeah. 20s at, at the oldest. Um, what are you watching on TV right now? We just finished our flag means death, yeah, um, which is on my, yeah, it's a pirate thing with Blackbeard. Pretty cool. Obviously. Oh, Bosch. You ever watch Bosch? No, I haven't seen it. It's that. like a detective in Hollywood type of thing. And also, uh, the sons of anarchy spinoff. Um, shit. Oh, I've been wanting to, I love that show. What's it, called? Uh, it's, it had, I don't, I know, I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. I don't know the name. Uh, San- Sons of Anarchy was such an amazing show yeah. with the worst acting ever. Oh, dude, it was so good. Yeah, like, I mean, the, it was amazing, it, yeah. but the acting was horrible. Yeah, what but the it hell was is the name of it? We watch it. It uh, wasn't. It, it's with the the um, Latino. Yeah, the good uh, guy. Uh, it's the name of the gang. Yes. But, yeah, I don't. Um, what is the worst concert you have ever attended? Uh. I've been to some bad ones. Mm. A Chili Peppers concert was terrible. Because, Just, uh, because they were awful or because... I think they, Anthony Kiedis was sick. The Ma- Mayan, Mayans. The Mayans, yeah. yeah, that's it. Dude, it's so good. It's so bloody, though. Yeah, so it was funny. It was actually an amazing concert we went to because the Foo Fighters opened oh, nice. for uh, the Chili Peppers. And I think Anthony Kiedis was sick. And it was like okay. so like... Eh. You know, it's funny. It had absolutely nothing to do with the performance room, but my absolute worst concert ever also was a Red Hot no. Chili Peppers concert. It was a festival, and it was the whole yeah. experience was horrendous, but it's just hilarious yeah. that it was also yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, but it was like, Foo Fighters are great, and I'd seen Chili Peppers like three or four times yeah. before, and they're always great, but that just that show is... Yeah, something must have so, been going I think he was sick, just, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Is it acceptable to use a gift card on a first date? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. That people were torn on that one. Uh, the it's been suggested you should just try to do like the like go to the bathroom and slip it to the person yeah, so no, they don't just know. For it. It's a first date. What is the best Starburst flavor? I've never had a Starburst in my life. Huh? Never, not once. 
it just are you not a candy person or you just I don't like, like candy stuff? but I don't like the waxy shit like oh that. yeah and that definitely is waxy yeah. stuff no, I've never I've never even put one in my mouth because I've seen the, like the texture of it yeah. it looks weird to me huh well the right answer is pink oh is it pink <laughs> that's a flavor <laughs> yeah, it tastes like pink <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd. Thank you so much for your time today. No worries. Uh, er, people should definitely come here. I, I can't. I agree. Come and spend the, your money, people. But it is it is beautiful here, yeah. and I don't I don't care if tiki people don't agree with this. Uh, uh, Look, this is a place you but, can come and escape for a few hours. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's beautiful. Like it's, it's there's a, I mean there's a pirate ship or at least something. Yeah, it's a pirate, like a pirate ship right there. <laughs> right there. Like it's. <laughs> It's been there for like two weeks. You can go take a tour of the pirate ship and then come here. Yeah, yeah so, but it's cool. I think it's fun. It's fun to come here. I will say parking is a bitch. I locked out you so locked out much. There, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's awesome because we have the Anthem right here, which is IMP 930 and yeah. Meriwether. So it's some great shows there. And it's fun, you know. Like we've been, we've been super lucky that, you know, we're so close to them and we've developed a good relationship with them. Well. Thank you so no, much no for your Thanks time. For and, uh, I'm glad you got you good every, parking. Everyone. So am I. I was really worried about that. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for listening. Hey, close us out with um, uh, calling into Elliot because it sounds the same you, you every want me time. To, you want me to call in? Yeah. No, or no just not actually calling <laughs> in. Text just, like, him? just say. Like, what? <laughs> hey, <laughs> you just say this exact same oh, thing what? in the same inflection every time you call. Oh, yeah, because that's me. I don't have any inflection. I, what do I say? Hey, Is Elliot, it's Thrasher. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's or little, sometimes I say you, Todd Thrasher. You always, you, actually, I've always said you say heard you say Todd Thrasher, yeah. but with a little more excitement. Yeah, yeah, I'm always so nervous when I call. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we're listen done. to Elliot in the morning too. He's awesome. I I absolutely agree. All right, thank you everyone. Uh, uh, that's it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.